Welcome back to the Family Business Discussion, COVID-19, April 2021 edition. I'm producer Nathan Gobes. This is part two of three of our discussion. Be sure to check out part one if you haven't already, where we discussed interfamily politics and sibling rivalry. Uh, this episode, we'll be covering hiring and family businesses, and all of these discussions are intended to be very relevant to family businesses, but also entrepreneurs of all types. So be sure to follow Radio Entrepreneurs on LinkedIn, YouTube, Spotify, or many of the other platforms we stream on. Uh, our, produ- our panelists are Rich Hershen, partner at Gray Gray and Gray, Stephen Wilchins, founding partner at Wilchins, Cosentino and Novins, and Roberta Sidney, president of Sydney Associates. For their full introductions, please refer back to part one. And our panel's moderator, Radio Entrepreneur's host, and uh, CEO of Mage LLC, Jeffrey Davis, is uh, our, our moderator for this segment. Jeff, I will hand it over to you. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, everyone. Welcome back uh, to Radio Entrepreneur's again, uh, second segment. You know, I'm going to pick on my uh, wonderful stepfather who uh, brought me into his business. I was the last family member brought into the family business. I was named the heir apparent for a stepson. That was pretty rough uh, and the youngest. But one of the things was the business was populated with his whole family. There were uncles and cousins, brother-in-laws, and son, daughter in the business. And I used to say to him, uh, his name was Norman. I used to go, Norman, why is everyone in this business? And he used to say to me, my dad told me that the purpose of this business was to support the whole family. And I looked at him, I went, the whole family? <laughs> and he went, yes, that's what my dad taught me. So let me ask you guys the question because, you know, he was wonderful. And uh, once my mother got her hands on my stepfather, that wool was broken. Uh, so it was kind of good. But I, is, does everybody deserve a position in a family and a business? And how do you decide? What family members should come into a business? I don't. I don't think everyone deserves a position um, in the family business. I think one. There's two things. Owning the business and working there are two different things. So you know, maybe the owner or the person who started the business and is passing down to the next generation wants everyone in the family to own a piece of it, and I think that's fine. Um, but in terms of working there, there needs to be a need for the company. I mean, I think the company. The, the goal of the company should be to run a profitable business operation that can provide not only for the owner's family, but for all the employees' families. You know, you've got a responsibility to all them, so you need to make the right business decisions. And if there's openings and there are family members that are qualified to fill those openings, I think it, it's great. Bring them aboard. But to just create jobs for family members or to um, give them jobs that they're not qualified to perform, I, I don't think that's a, a good strategy. All right. I, I think many times the family, it's important to realize that sometimes family members should not work in the business. And if they get the education from the people in the business and understand what they're doing, it may be better not to be in the business. Maybe they can take their resources and do something else, but and their return on investment is much greater if they're out of the business. I mean, I had one case like that where we convinced a family member to stay out of the business because they they were disruptive. They really weren't, they, you know, they felt they were entitled. And the business is extremely profitable and continues to grow today. And so in that case, with education and the proper um 
you know, people speaking to this person, he was able to realize that it would be better to stay out of the business than to be in the business. Yeah, I would echo what my fellow panelists are saying here. The answer in my case is absolutely no. Every family member does not deserve um, a job in the, in the company uh, or in the family business. What I would also say is that family multiplies faster than money, often. And so if in the case of your you know, late stepdad, Jeffrey, everybody had continued to have kids and grandkids and so forth and so on, and everybody deserved a job, at some point, the business is no longer a business. And again, the board, we, you know, we talked about the board in, in segment one, is there to help steward building enterprise value. And to go back to what both Rich and Steve have said, if you're not adding value, either because you're disruptive or because you don't have the skills to build enterprise value, you don't have any place in this business and you shouldn't be deserving of a slot because of your last name. So I think it's extremely important. Um, and I've seen lots of mistakes. I'm sure everyone on this, on this panel has. I've seen lots of mistakes where people are brought in and they're just not qualified and it's not helpful for anyone. And it certainly doesn't help keep the non-family members who are excellent talent in the business, uh, which is also a critical, critical element in perpetuating the, uh, the family business. Well, I think in, in your example, were there uh, rules around how all those family members should be compensated? So I've seen that before where some felt that all the family members should be paid the same amount. I, no. I'm not so sure that's a good policy. I think that, you know, there needs to be clear rules and expectations, but if, if a family member is, is really working hard and you know, working seven days a week and create and meeting the matrix that are set up for that person, that person should you know get co fairly compensated, whatever that is, versus someone who slips in at ten thirty every day and leaves at three and doesn't work on weekends. Way different expectations, and family members need to you know be told that this isn't this isn't the same. I mean, you have to be judged with everyone else, in particular the non-family members and see how they work and hard, hard they work and how intelligent they are and helpful for helping the business grow. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the pay should be commensurate with the responsibilities of the position and the performance. Um, I'd seen that at, at a company where they felt that all the family members should be paid the same and it, it didn't work out very well. Oh. Well it both ways and um i i i agree with with where they've said that there should be market performance pay uh, but i've seen families struggle with that and it's it's unfortunate when people can't distinguish between the role that you have and the worth that you're bringing to the business which you would pay anyone not not just a family member that's what every person should be paid in my in my opinion but i've definitely seen more than one family say, oh no, we're all family and all family gets paid the same. And if somebody needs more money, everyone gets more money. Uh, and it's, it's to the detriment of the business. You're no longer serving the business, you're serving the family, which I think is, is lopsided. Right, right. Well, you know, uh, you've all brought up topics that uh, can make me ramble on for a long time. These disruptive family members, uh, not having rules, the enforcement of rules, compensation, 
I have seen both situations work and not work. Uh, it depends on the, you know, what's, what's best for the family. But you know, what do you do when you find a business that doesn't have rules and policies in place? What's the best way to start to put these into the business? And can you do that at all? Can you, can you implement rules in a family business so that you can continue to keep the business, the asset valuable, as I think Roberta was talking about, because that's really, I think, the priority. How do we keep this asset going? So I can speak to, to one of the boards that I'm on right now, and they didn't have rules in, in the beginning. And as a board member, one of the things that, that I've said is we need to have rules. And so they've developed a family constitution. They've developed a distribute, an annual distribution policy. They've developed employment uh, rules that, that Steve talked about. And so they are very much engaged in that process um, who can own. I mean, this is another one of the, the, the key third rail elements. Can a spouse have ownership, you know, a non-family spouse have ownership of the family business shares? And so, you know, in, in my business, uh, my family's business, the answer is no. And so we've created documentation that talks about that and that everyone has agreed to and signed so that there's no confusion about that. But not having these rules and then having assumptions among cousins or siblings or grandchildren is, is a recipe for conflict and, uh, and, and not, not a good one. So, so that's what we've done is the board has been driving that and the family's been very receptive. But also with what Roberta said and Rich, I think education is important. A lot of times the family members don't understand that they grew up in high school or grade school in the business and then after college or they don't finish college, they feel they should jump right in. So education is important. Family needs to take the time to, to show what's important and what it, what it takes to be an effective employee in the business to make it successful. So the whole family benefits from that. I think beyond that, Stephen, it's not just to, to educate them about what makes an effective employee, but also what makes an effective board member. So on one of my boards, we're doing education with the next gen about how they can today be observers in the shareholder meetings to learn what that means and to learn about what the board does and to learn what they will be asked to do someday when they're in one of those chairs. So I agree with you completely. It's, it's, a, it's a continuous process and um, and continuity on, on that. And, and the tone gets set from the top. So if everybody's secretive and you don't know what's going on, that 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 can also really harm the, uh, the future of the business. Right. I also wanted to say that the effective board, it's not only the board, which I think is very good, but it's also the trustees that ultimately own the businesses. And, you know, run the business, a lot of times run the family businesses, they need to understand what the, they need to align with the board and the uh, C-suite of the company to make sure that they're all on the same page. Uh, otherwise you have uh, conflict. Well, Roberta brought up a very important point uh, and that is this whole concept of the development of next gen succession development. Uh, you know, uh, I think that you cannot start that, put in the structure and the, the rules, the criteria early enough in a business and, and be clear on development. I, I was always under the impression 
uh, I used to work at the Chrysler uh, marketing firm many, many years ago, that Ford had a very clear criteria for Fords entering the family business and their development and their criteria for success if they were going to emerge to the top. I've used that story many times over the years with my family businesses. I think that's critical, putting the, the, those metrics in place and those performance guidelines. And I would assume you would agree with that as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would add to that is, I think people spend a lot of time getting the money or the business ready for the family, but don't spend enough time getting the family ready for the money or the business. And I think full attention needs to be paid to that. It's it's a critical element because otherwise you've got people who somehow just sort of miraculously are going to know what to do and how to do it. And it's, it, it doesn't happen that way. None, none of us is born a board director. None of us is born uh, a leader. We develop those skills over time and next gen needs that same uh, direction and education opportunity. The other place that we haven't touched on is if the family business has a philanthropic element to it, a trust or, or a donor advised fund or a foundation of some kind, that's often a great way to get the younger people involved with, with what the purpose of the family's wealth is about and what the business supports, not just you know, the owners, but also the employees, the community and, and the world at large, whatever that, that might be for that particular family in question. Right, certainly. So again, there are so many questions we could we could cover, and we can't cover them all in one in one session. So we'll probably have more than one through the year. I know we're going to have more than one family business session. But again, uh, some of us have come from family businesses, and one of the things I notice in family businesses are when spouses work together, and uh, not having boundaries, and they almost they bring I want to they bring the work to the bedroom, and. Uh, there, it's sort of a, you know, it's at the dinner table, it's at the breakfast table, children tell me, it's in the bedroom, they can hear their parents talking about it every night, they go home. They, so do you think that there has to be rules around that? And how do you manage that structure? It's a challenge, but it's, it's doable. I mean, I think that, I think both spouses need to understand their roles and needs to understand what roles each, you know, serves. And they also need to demonstrate to their employees, you know, that each one is being treated fairly and effectively where the spouse isn't on the payroll just to be there not to show up. That spouse really needs to work and, and be effective leader. And so people would respect, employees would respect this person. Otherwise it really demotivates employees and the morale really gets skewed. So you have to be very careful when you have spouses in, in a business. And, you know, it depends how large it is and depends on what responsibilities. Probably it would be effective if they had different responsibilities and they weren't reporting to each other and they weren't really sharing the same office would be probably an effective way to handle it. I don't have any. I don't have any personal experience with with spouses and family businesses. I know several of my friends have started businesses over over the years with spouses or had spouses working with them, um, and in many cases, it, it doesn't work out very well. <laughs> Divorce or or other things ensue. It's 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 hard. I think what you talked about, Jeffrey, is real. 
and being able to compartmentalize is hard. It's hard enough, I think, for siblings and cousins to do it. I think it's even harder if you live in the same household. Actually, my yeah. wife, I'll, I'll tell a personal experience. Um, my wife had, was a very successful business, but she was in the educational field and she owned a, a school actually. And as a second career, she came to work. I started, one business I started was a fairly large real estate business. And she came and she is working there now. And it actually is interesting dynamics. After 40 something years, we're kind of, it's fine. You know, we're able to handle it. We've been able, you know, a lot, you know, we've, we're mature, our relationship is strong. So I think that's a whole different perspective in how we're handling it. But I, I'm not involved on a day-to-day, -day, so it's a lot different. I think it can be tricky. I think, you know, as you were saying earlier, Jeff, the sooner you can have some rules in place of what's allowed and not allowed, I, I think the better off you are. I mean, those conversations can get tough. Um, but if everyone's agreed to rules that spouses are not going to be allowed to work there or they are going to work there, whatever the rules may be, I think kind of everyone agreeing to that early on makes those conversations a lot easier. But rules are made to be broken and they are broken all the time. Oh, that's, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> and the yeah. rules don't apply to me. No, no. <laughs> as Jeff would know, right? Uh, I, I, it's unbelievable, you know, do as I say, not as I do. The rules get broken. Uh, but I do think you need rules. And, you know, I don't want to sound, you know, so simplistic. But I think that the kitchen or the dining room and the bedroom are not places to talk business. And there should be places to talk business and times to talk business. And you need to work that out. If you can't work it out by yourselves, you need to work it out with a third party. But I do think that there are places, you know, I always tell people the bedroom isn't the office. And if the bedroom becomes the office, the bedroom is going to become a problem. And if the and I think the dining room, the kit in the eating area, if it becomes the office, it becomes a problem. Uh, if you start discussing money always over the over the dinner table, the breakfast table, so I do think certain rules are good to have follow. But you're right, it, it, it's much more usual to break rules, Steve. I mean, families are chronic rule breakers. Right. Exactly. So uh, I really think that, and here we have Nathan Gobes returning to us. I'm sure we could have talked about that topic a lot more. I know I was controlling myself. Uh, Nathan? Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, that was a great conversation. Uh, there will be more conversation to be had in part three. Uh, a link will be provided in the description of the video below for part three of this panel discussion. And if you're listening on the podcast uh, forums, feel, uh, please subscribe to us on those channels so you can see that segment uh, when it goes live. We'll be back with more on Radio Entrepreneurs.